Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. I am very excited to have just uh, finished a discussion with uh, a wonderful guest all the way from North Carolina and uh, it is the wonderful Dr. Mira Branku. She is the founder and CEO of Branku and Associates, which is an award-winning social entrepreneurship firm that helps leaders strategically lead through current organizational challenges while equipping them with tailored tools to better navigate future ones. Mira is also an associate professor at Duke University, a senior organization development psychologist for the Department of Veteran Affairs, and co-author of Millennial's Guide to Workplace Politics. She has written for Psychology Today and is the associate editor of the Consulting Psychology Journal. Safe to say that today's discussion uh, is pretty eclectic. Uh, We are talking all things workplace politics and uh, it's really wonderful that Dr. Branku actually takes us on a journey from her own experience in the corporate world around how do we navigate uh, workplace politics, which is well and truly still alive in this day and age, even though we hope that perhaps it is time to put it to bed. Uh, and we've also got a bit of a spin on it around uh, the millennial cohort, which I was shocked to hear is actually if you are between the age of 26 and 40, you are indeed classified as a millennial. And even more shockingly, I read something recently around uh, there's a new term now, and it hurts me a little bit to say this, is the geriatric millennial. So those that are at the top end, uh, closing, getting closer to 40, are now deemed geriatric. So take that as you will. That's a nice pep, pep up for the start of the episode. Uh, but today's discussion was amazing. Uh, so many takeaways with uh, Mira. And, and really, she shared a lot of really great tips and, and bits and pieces that you can implement straight away and start thinking about as well, whether you're a leader, whether you're looking to be an inspiring leader. This was a really great episode um, and I really enjoyed my conversation and also uh, her top five tips at the end were absolute fire. So before too much further, let's uh, dive on in to today's episode. It's a goodie. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Mira, who has joined us all the way from yesterday, Sunday, in the States, North Carolina. Hello, Mira, how are you? Hello, hello tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit like an Adele song, isn't it? Hello from the other side. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All the way on the other side of the world. (laughs) And isn't it nice to be able to have these conversations so easily these days compared to, you know, 10 years ago? It's kind of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm still, yeah, I still have my mind blown every time. But we're not here to talk today about uh, the ability to connect remotely. What we are going to talk about today uh, is a topic that is near and dear to your heart and something that you're an absolute expert in. But before we get into that, can you share a little bit around where did you come from and where are you going? Yes. Um, so I was born in Romania, actually. Uh, came to the United States when I was six years old and um, took, you know, a long time to get to learn the language. And when I started my first career, which was as a counselor, I thought I knew everything that I needed to have to be successful. I had the language down and I had a degree and I thought, okay, I am going to be the best counselor I'm ever going to be in this situation. It was a school, right? A lot of um, sort of um, complex situations, and I was going to rule the world as a counselor. Well, unfortunately, what I didn't realize was just because I knew the language and I knew how to help children um, doesn't mean that I was going to be successful in my role because I was an entire system where parents had ideas for what was best for their children and teachers had their own ideas and principals had their own ideas and the school district and on and on. It was an entire ecosystem that I had no idea I really needed to know in order to navigate it. And what happened was I uh, made a number of really painful mistakes mm -hmm. um, that was all about me not understanding the politics and the culture. Yes. Um, and I told myself, that's it. I'm never, ever, ever going to work for another large bureaucratic system ever again. Um, I went back to school and I got my PhD in clinical psychology. And somehow I ended up working for one of the largest, most bureaucratic systems in the U.S. <laughs> Famous <laughs> last words. How yeah. did I end up here? Um, but everything was different. And it was because I ended up having this amazing mentor who took me under his wing and helped me understand that um, I'm not living in a vacuum. I'm not working in a vacuum all by myself. There are other people around me. There's other systems. And I needed to know that in order to be successful. And by him elucidating that, I ended up having kind of the, the most amazing leadership career. I, I had never expected to be a leader, um, but it catapulted me for the next 10 years in larger and larger leadership roles and responsibilities nationally. And I ended up becoming really passionate about sharing what I learned with other people and especially with women, because along the way, I kept having women um, come to me and say, how did you develop this career? And how did you navigate the system? And how do I push past this barrier? How do I get noticed? And how do I get this thing approved? And um, I you know, ended up mentoring quite a number of people, uh, opened up a women's leadership development company and um, wrote this book, uh, Millennials Guide to Workplace Politics with my co-author, who's an expert in millennials. Um, specifically so that I could share it with as many people as I can, and especially women and those who don't have access to this information. So that's how I got here to where I am today. 
I love that. And of course, if you haven't guessed, we are going to be talking about workplace politics. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, how do you actually navigate the system? How do you position yourself in in a way that's influential while also being aware of the the micro and macro ecosystems that exist in the workplace which sometimes aren't as obvious uh, as we would like to think that they are and uh, full full disclosure here I'm someone that never understood workplace politics and also never cared to get uh, get involved in the workplace politics particularly from that perspective where you know there's a bit of infighting and, and the clickiness that was never my game but I think what would be really great to talk about today is around you know workplace politics but also influence and influence for good not for evil yes, yes. so um you mentioned around your mentor who you know lifted the lifted the hood or you know moved the screen to the side what do you think was one of the most valuable lessons that you learned from your mentor back then? When was it like, oh my goodness, okay, actually I'm part of a much bigger thing than just me and my team and my work program? Yeah, it's really funny because I could totally relate. I was exactly the same as you and many, many women. Like, this is disgusting. I don't want any part of workplace politics stuff. It's dirty. It's ugly. It's gossiping. It's undermining. It's sabotaging. And that's not me, right? I have integrity. I'm an honest person. Uh, please don't drag me into any of that, right? So, um, what? So, so what I ended up, um, I guess, learning as one of the most important things is it's not, it doesn't have to be about any of that stuff. So if you think about it, if you learn who you should include when mm -hmm. decisions are made, if yeah. you learn, um, you know, how to drive results in a way that isn't just all about you, but includes people and elevates people and protects people from um, sort of other people taking credit and things like that, you mm -hmm. actually can end up elevating not just your own career, but everyone else is around you who um, are maybe leaning on you and really make a much broader difference um, in the organization in a healthier way and create like a healthy work environment. And I had never really known that because I was, I had been kind of, um, you know, experiencing like most people, the negative end of that. But I had a mentor who really understood how to do this with integrity and honesty. So I often think about like, politics itself is not a dirty word. It's how it's used that mm. can be dirty, but it could also be used in very positive, honest ways. I love that. And I think you touched on a really valid point there around who you should include. And I think historically we're like, okay, who are the main stakeholders? Who's going to be impacted? But what have you found outside of, you know, including, yes, stakeholders, very important, but does it extend further than that when we're thinking about workplace politics and relationships in a larger scale? Yeah. So um, if I were to sort of put a framework on how I think about workplace politics, right? I love it framework, be, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be three things, okay? So the first is understanding emotional intelligence and developing very high, strong emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the second is understanding how systems work, so systems-level thinking. Mm -hmm. And the third is what it takes to drive results. Yes. Now, you could have somebody 
who is very emotionally intelligent, right? Understands a system and knows how to drive results, but they do it for their own personal gain. That's Mm -hmm. all, right? Mm -hmm. And that means they're going to abuse power. They're going to abuse other people along the way. They're going to step on people and they're going to know how to do it in very conniving uh, ways because they're really emotionally intelligent and they know who to step on. That's not what I'm advocating, right? Instead, if you apply it in a way that you're thinking, okay, I am going to think about what I'm bringing to the table. I'm going to make sure I'm escalating a problem, not creating conflict. I'm going to make sure I understand the people who are at the table with me and meeting them where they are and um, bringing them in on it. Um, that's using emotionally, you know, emotional intelligence in a positive way. I'm going to understand who to include and, um, that they'll be hurt if they're not included, right? That's the systems. And then I'm going to ask like, how are things measured in this organization? Mm -hmm. Uh, what do people value in this organization? And, um, you know, how can we sort of change some of the things that are you know, how they're valued and how they're measured in order to drive bigger and better results. Well, now I'm thinking in a really positive, honest way, and I'm including my team and I'm including my boss, who's not going to be like sort of left behind or blindsided. So it's, it's just using the same three things, the same framework, Mm -hmm. but in really sort of thoughtful, careful human ways, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like rather than just going into a situation, um, you know, with all the, all of the solutions, it's going, okay, well, how can I have the best and biggest impact in terms of people as well as results, as well as for the overall organization um, to making sure it's aligned with the strategy as well. I love that. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more around, um, I guess, what do you see as some of the biggest traps that that are still happening today. We talked just before I hit record around uh, the boys club that we hope doesn't exist, but in some uh, industries and in some sectors, it certainly does. What what are you still seeing that you, you're like, why have we not got a solution to this? Or why is this still going on? Yeah, I, well, you mentioned one, right? So um, when people are focused on just their personal careers instead of what's good for the entire organization, they will start um, doing things like meeting in private, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, instead of uh, including people. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we were talking about before we we got, uh, you know, started on the the show is you're saying like, for for you, it's um, folks coming together around rugby, and that's usually men. For us, it's um, going, you know, golfing, which usually is kind of a, still kind of a, a guys, you know, club, um, or going out after dinner when a lot of women, you know, um, it, it's harder for, for women with, with families. It's harder for men with families too, you know, to make it to these. So there's a select few that end up having the kind of flexibility to, uh, join these sort of quote unquote private meetings or behind closed doors or that kind of thing. So that still goes on. And it's really maddening because you get to a meeting thinking you're going to be like productive and have like a great meeting, but the decisions were already made somewhere, sometime. And it's like absolutely maddening, right? 
Um, and you're like, wait, wait a second. We, we haven't even started the conversation and mm. decisions have already been made. Yep. So, um, you know, I think these days, however, millennials and, um, you know, even the, the newer generation after that, the Gen Zs, they are not having this. They're mm. not like, I'm not playing this game. I am here to make a difference. I'm here to um, work for a company that um, helps me feel like I'm, I'm um, you know, doing something meaningful and making an impact. Um, and they're bringing something new to organizations. And that is an expectation that their leaders are going to be better leaders. Um, <laughs> right? And <laughs> right. how can they be better leaders? They're going to be much more inclusive. Yeah. And if you're going to be more inclusive, then you're going to need to change the game when it comes to politics. Love it. Um, so can we backtrack slightly when we're talking millennials and um, Gen Z? Are you able to just put a <laughs> the million dollar question, right? Are you able to just put a, a time frame around how you uh, how you what, what's the word I'm looking for? How do you define who's a millennial and who's Gen Z? Uh, yeah, so um, right now, if I recall, it's age 26 to 40 is millennials. Yep. And Gen Z is younger than 26. Younger than 26. All right, we'll put that in there. And I love what you said around uh, they're not standing for it anymore because something that oh. I talk about with my um, with my leaders and with my organisations is this whole idea of the standard you walk past is the standard that you accept. And I think if we're looking um, at that age bracket, a number of the, and I heard this term the other day, which was terrifying and awful, was the geriatric millennials. So oh, that, <laughs> oh that awful. makes me feel really old. <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh gosh, um, someone's gone, a Gen Z must have said that. Um, but if we're thinking about that, the, the top end of the, um, of the millennials, now they're coming into that, a time in their career where they're becoming more and more influential if we're looking at the way that a, a normal career direct trajectory would travel and I love that we're talking about you know how do you be a better leader how do you be uh, have more meaningful connections and impact and also making sure that it's inclusive for your team as well what would what do you think would be the the first step for some of these um, people in a, in a position of influence how can they stamp this out, whether it's with peers or whether it's within their own team? What do you think they need to be focusing on first? Yeah, so I say this a lot, but it honestly, it, it sounds very basic, but know where you stop and someone else starts. Meaning, Ooh, yes, um, know what you are bringing into a conversation. Who, who, what part of this is you? And what part of this is someone else's stuff? Mm. If you can understand that much, which actually takes a lot of learning about yourself and about other people, um, the impact that you can make is actually pretty large. One of the greatest challenges right now for leaders coming up is this um, sort of de-escalation or cooling down of conflict. Yeah. People have... Um, less tolerance right now for all things because we're all stressed out we're all burned out we're losing our cool all the time right and we need leaders who can help us uh, keep calm and stable and and um, feel like we could just focus on our work and that kind of leader 
is someone who is extraordinarily self-aware and aware of the people around them and understand them well enough. Yeah. So it sounds simple, but that's, that's where I would start is, yeah. is that self-awareness um, in order to be effective at uh, knowing what to communicate to whom and when. I love it. I, um, I totally agree with you. I call that the, the lighthouse leaders. So the leaders mm. that really need to um, be thinking around, you know, all of the crazy crashing around them and, you know, perhaps there's turmoil going on and the waves are coming in, but they really yes. need to be the lighthouse that have got that strong foundation. They're shining that, uh, that beacon of light, that guiding light saying, actually, we're going in this direction. Here's how we're going to do it. And I'm safe you're safe in my hands um, as well. And I think that you're absolutely right. And it always comes back to the people part of leadership, doesn't it? You know, not it so much the, the, the driving the results and um, the systems, but actually, you know, at the, at the crux of it, what are the people and how do we need to look after them in this journey as well? That's right. That. And, and that also helps you give better feedback. It, feedback is one of the hardest things that most leaders have trouble with. Mm. And if you are able to um, develop the right kind of relationships uh, where people trust that you're going to give them good feedback, then they'll mm. trust when, when you're able to sort of stop unhealthy behaviors and say, this is not acceptable. Yep. This is what I want to see instead. Yep. And I believe that you can do it. And I'll, I'll continue watching for it to make sure that you're able to do that. So holding people accountable too, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's around like shaping the politics as well. Mm -hmm. Once you're getting into that position and, and you're right, like millennials at that age are in that position to be able to start being able to do that and shape the culture of their organization. Mm. How much do you think just on the topic of culture, how much do you think culture dictates politics or politics dictates? dictates culture or are they separate? Oh, that is a good question. Ooh. <laughs> well, now we didn't prepare I, this one, folks. So no, none of this. <laughs> but now I want to know what you think about. It. I'm going to share what I think, but then I want to know what you think about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's such a good question. Um, I think it's both. I think they are interaction, you know, they interact. I think uh, the history of an organization dictates culture. Mm -hmm which dictates politics. Um, and it takes some level of politics changing in order to change the culture, in order to move past the history that is negative. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I think that, um, that they're quite interlinked, whereas I think of culture as being the way that we operate. And I think of politics more around the way that we make decisions. So if you've got a culture yeah. of we're open, honest, collaborative, um, then you're probably going to have politics in the workplace that are less confrontational and have less of that, um, you know, the the clicks and the and the private meetings. However, if they're if we're saying we've got a culture of collaboration and honesty and integrity and all of those types of things, but no one's calling out the behaviour that's not mm -hmm. happening as a result of the politics, then I think that that culture probably doesn't infiltrate all areas of the organisation. Yes. Hmm. Yes, that's right. We'll have to refund this another time, maybe. Oh, yeah. Afterwards, we could go deep, <laughs> go deep and wide with this one. Oh my goodness! All right, so let's just go back to when we were talking um, around 
uh, how politics can be like dirty, they can be ugly, it can be gossip. Say you're brand new to an organization, you've joined, joined a team for whatever reason, it's your area of expertise, you've got a history of being a brilliant leader in the past, but you walk in and uh, what was on the on the culture wall, on the vision and mission and values, on the poster doesn't match the experience in terms of politics because it is ugly, it is gossipy. Do we exit or do you, what, are, what are the steps to, um, to make some decisions or to make some of that change? Oh, great question. Yeah, so, um, so if you're already in a leadership position, then the first step I think is just spending enough time to gather the information about where all of this other stuff is coming from, Ooh, given the fact that the culture, the, the mission, the vision says one thing, but everybody's doing something different. Yeah. So uh, spending time gathering that information, doing an environmental scan, mm -hmm. um, you know, where did this come from? Who has the actual power? Um, is it people in the actual positions of leadership or yeah. are there other people who are influencing in some way, they have some informal power um, and it's influencing. And that's where you got like the saboteurs, you know, and the underminers and um, people who are trying to grab power um, even if they might not have a position, right? The people whispering in other leaders ears that shouldn't be uh, heard so loudly, right? All of these things are important to gather. Um, and, and just talking to, you know, each individual person that you can in the organization gives you some of that. You start learning the trends. Yep. Um, the next step would be just being able to start with your own team, right? I always thought, um, think about who is in your sphere of influence right now. Yep and trying to sort of move the needle slowly uh, to get a larger and larger sphere of influence. So start with the, the team that is within your sphere of influence and saying, if this is the mission and vision, we're going to carry it out. And if you have trouble, let me know, and I will help advocate for you. I will sponsor you in this. I will champion, I will support, I will block the things that are getting in the way um, and working together, you know? Um, I would also be speaking with my own leaders, right? Like, tell me more about, uh, you know, what, what you're seeing and, and um, you know, why some people seem to not be following the vision and mission. Tell me more about, so just out of like, from a place of curiosity, I'd like to learn more. Yep. Um, and um, then building enough trust and developing enough relationships that you can start speaking up and sharing how you feel and how you think about the, these things, right? Um, as a leader, you have a distinct uh, ability and role that many other people who are not in a leadership position to be able to um, influence things around you. And sometimes more than you actually realize. Mm. Um, so it's, it's about sort of evaluating who have I learned that I can trust to speak up with and start sharing who are my mentors that I can sort of work through some of this. Um, and what you're doing along the way is developing um, kind of a, a informal board of directors and stakeholders who believe in you, who can really help ampl amplify uh, the concerns that you have or the change that you'd like to see uh, over time and, and trying to sort of 
gather enough of those people who, you know, will help you make that change at a broader level. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And especially that board of directors. And I think we don't actively pursue and build that enough Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but the payoff is you know is tenfold perhaps even more is actually having people and collecting them along the way to that you that you trust that you know will have your back and you will have theirs as well yep so instrumental right right it's you know um it's networking but networking uh, sometimes um we we network and we think oh it's just i'm just building some relationships i'm just making friends but some some of the people that you can network with um, can really help you and support you in much bigger ways if you asked, if you just yes. asked, hey, yes. I'm trying to make a difference here. Will you join me? And, and will you help me will, in this meeting? Can you help me when I say this? Can you also speak up as well? Um, and, you know, when when um, I share concern about this, will you help me by sharing it with others and seeing if others can also join in these concerns so that, you know, we can be heard a little bit more. Um, you could use your network in lots of ways that um, right now, many, many women are underutilizing their network uh, yep. when they could be a lot more powerful together. Oh, this is a whole nother conversation about asking <laughs> for help, right? But uh, right, we, won't get in, right. we won't get into that. But I think the key takeaway there for me is actually, ask, ask for what you want. Um, And in the process of, you know, building those relationships and building that rapport, be like, hey, you know, it would be great is if you could do this, that would really help me out. And I think naturally, people want to help others when they ask for help. We just don't ever do it. We don't we um, asking for help, I think for many people, regardless of gender, is a hard thing, because it requires you to let go of this need to be invulnerable. And uh, uh, right, um, Patrick Lencioni um, said this well, when he talked about team development. Um, He's he's the author of um, uh, five dysfunctions of a team, right? And um, he said, like, the, 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 the greatest difficulty that leaders have is their need to be invulnerable. And if they can get past that, yeah. like trust is the first step. And in order to build trust, you build helping relationships. Yep. That means you've got to ask for help. Yep. And that does require some level of being a, just a little bit vulnerable in order to say, hey, um, I, I kind of need some feedback. I kind of need some help. Um, but it's amazing how much stronger you can get by just asking for that help and, yeah. and being able to join with somebody else and working towards a goal. Yep, absolutely. I love that. Oh, yes, such a good lesson. Ask for help, folks. Yeah. <laughs> if you're wondering what your next <laughs> first step is, ask for help. Uh, so on that note, your top five tips for mm. leaders, fire away. Okay, top five tips. So um, my first is moving from setting inflexible goals mm. to a set of continuous improvement. Yeah. So what I mean by that is learning like, what can I try and learn in order to keep growing and adjust and adapt in today's times? Mm-hmm. Uh, an adaptable leader is much stronger and will reach much greater goals 
than one who sets one goal and insists on trying to get there no matter what's happening around them, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, continuous improvement, uh, having a state of continuous improvement. Um, the second is, I mentioned this a million times now, learn about yourself yeah. and learn about your team beyond the surface level stuff. Yep. What makes me tick? What makes you tick? What makes that person tick? How can I catch it before things get worse? And what is a natural strength mm-hmm. uh, for me um, and each of my team members so that we can complement each other and optimize that to be a much stronger team to reach greater goals? Yep. Love it. I, I will say about this, um, I work with a lot of women and what, I, what I've been learning from the women that I work with is that we're really good at identifying our weaknesses and we have a lot of trouble identifying our strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because um, we might not have as much experience getting feedback about our strengths in the workplace. So um, it's on us to try to make sure we are identifying, oh, that is a, that is a strength for me. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to identify that. Um, so that's number two. Um, number three, engaging in continuous feedback check-ins. Love it. So, and, and I actually love feed forward even more than feedback. So okay. feed forward, meaning what you're going to do and what you want to enlist help in people watching you to see if you actually achieved what your goal was. So I'm going to try to present this message to this group of people. Tell me if it comes out as I intend. Ah. So it's not looking backwards at what I did wrong, but helping me get better by watching me in a specific goal that I have in mind and telling me how much closer and closer I get. Um, So giving and receiving feedback creates greater, stronger organization and people. Love it. Um, Number four, uh, carving out time for personal leadership reflection and team reflection. Yeah. Very, very hard to do right now, right? We're all like hair on fire, uh, just trying to put out fires. But one of the most effective ways that you can be more strategic is to set that time aside to reflect, like, how was I doing? Did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish in the way that I, did I approach this in the way that I wanted to? Did we as a team approach this in the way that we wanted to? Did we resolve conflicts the way we want to? Are we making our decisions the way that we want to? So team and self-reflection. And then finally, number five is learning how to navigate complexity and adapt. We cannot control everything. Even when we're in a leadership role, we do not have, we have less control sometimes the higher we go in leadership, right? Mm-mm-mm. And we're in times of constant change and volatility. So leaders who try to control everything rather than learn how to adapt will end up experiencing more anger, resentment, depression, anxiety, frustration. And so um, learning how to adapt continuously will give you a much greater sense actually of control, right? 
and feel more emotional um, stability and strength to calm yourself, to calm your team, um, to be thinking strategically um, as you're sort of managing how to adapt. It's not easy, but this I think is our greatest leadership challenge and opportunity. Ooh, I think it is. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yes. It's the hardest, yes. but give us the most bang for buck. Yeah. I loved that. So the first one was around um, setting uh, flexible goals around that continuous state of improvement. So is that following the, the Kaizen method? Similar. Yeah. I think about Lean Six Sigma, process improvement, um, all of those kinds of systems. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Learning about yourself and you are preaching to converted there. I think that's one of the most uh valuable things that a leader can do is going actually what am I about and uh, what what does make me tick what am I good at Uh, engaging in continuous feedback and feed forward I've never heard the term feed forward I love that as a as an idea to to, for that improvement but in real time Um, and carving out personal time and I think this is so important as well to reflect on both your own leadership as well as the team and then navigating um, the the ability and complexity to adapt and evolve and respond dare we say pivot we better not um around oh, no all no of those cha- <laughs> <laughs> all of those changing circumstances because uh you know the things that we think we're in control of we aren't necessarily always in control of and you know what just holding those things lightly as well we don't need to um be white knuckling it either this has been amazing thank you so much for uh, our chat today Mira now before I hit record you mentioned you've got some uh, great resources for our listeners as well yeah yeah and thank you it's been super fun um if anyone is interested in the millennials guide to workplace politics it's up on Amazon Uh, look it up uh, a lot of the things that I talked about are from that book. Um, I'm also starting to develop a small, um, small group leadership cohort program, helping leaders develop many of these skills together. And I will be opening up that soon. So if you are interested in receiving up-to-date information about that leadership cohort, you can go to uh, my website, broncoassociates.com. And or you can also find me on LinkedIn and social media, um, other social media at Mira Bronku and um, lots of goodies as part of that program. So if you're interested, uh, the moment it, it, it um, ends up being released, we will share what you can get if you're one of the first people in that cohort. Amazing. Thank you. That's very generous. And I'll pop all the links in the show notes to those as well. Thanks. Any last words? comments no just wanted to thank you this was so fun and I learned things too from from you it was a great conversation about culture and politics which comes first a really great time yes (laughs) we went a little bit all over the place (laughs) but we got there in the end thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day thank you you too Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, Ali.MadeForMore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.